0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to Twig 247. Today, everyone, we have the full cast, so I hope you're ready for a meaty one. We've got Philip Black, Game Economist at Game Economist Consulting. Hey, hey. Mishka Katkoff, founder of Deconstructor of Fun. Hello. Jen Donahoe, Marketing Executive Consultant at Jade Inferno Consulting. Howdy, everyone. Eric Kress, Principal at Gossamer Consulting Group. What's happening? And you've got me, Laura Taranto, Head of New Games at Big Fish. So I learned something this morning. Mishka, I want to hear about these (laughs) teeth that you have.
1: Nobody wants to hear about my fake teeth, but I do have fake teeth, and it's not because uh, I did some kind of (laughs) plastics or cosmetic surgery. This is just being a dumbass. I wish it was due to my 15 years of combat sports experience, but (laughs) this is due to the biking that I do. So, uh, you know, I've knocked my teeth out and periodically I have to, you know, fix them because the weirdest thing when they put new teeth is that the lady didn't do it with all the same material. So I have like some of them are done with uh, ceramic, great, and then some are done with like plastic. Why? And so sometimes they just crack off (laughs) and then I need to go back and just, I was again today, Getting a new tooth, in. it's fun. I listen to a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> that was an overshare. Yeah, let's uh, move on. Yeah. By the way, these T-shirts, amazing. So uh, people are probably not watching because we're not putting the twig on YouTube. But we got Diamante T-shirts from Data AI. Did you just say diamond. Dude? No, I like saying. No one knows what you. I like Diamante. I like using Spanish. El Diamante. But
2: uh, I have to admit they, despite being swag, they still they were pretty nice T-shirts.
1: This is the call for if you want your stuff to be shown on the podcast, we have addresses. (laughs) Just connect and send your stuff. If you work at Gucci, that works too. We don't, we don't, you can send it our way. Mishka's back. Mishka's back. (laughs) Jordans, Nike, anything works, but also, you know, cozy uh, company swag works as well. So send it our way and we'll wear it in the podcast.
0: Oh, my goodness. I mean, I wouldn't mind some, a nice Gucci shirt, but how would they sponsor us? Well, we could talk more about fashion partnerships and games. Yes. That's yes. a topic for us.
3: Yeah, yeah exactly. Get some of that wasteful brand spend in. Trust me, we're worth it. Oh, dude. We, oh. All the attribution for us. Oh.
0: So, Jen, you were on another podcast recently. How did that go?
4: Yes, I was cheating on Deconstructor of Fun. So uh, a friend of the pod, Chris Heatherly, reached out and is like, hey, do you want to do something? I know you're talking a lot about Barbie. We actually work together back at Disney. So we both have toy industry experience and game industry experience. And so, you know, we covered a lot of topics that Phil is allergic to, like we just said, the power of brand, transmedia, the importance of community, why marketing is crucial at the beginning of your game. So take a listen. Let me know what you think, Phil. You'll love it.
2: Heatherly is like the ultimate troll <laughs> on LinkedIn. Dude. The guy is just always carpet bombing LinkedIn with nonsense.
3: Oh, you know, like yeah. the Elon Musk of games.
2: Right. Oh, maybe he's on Twitter. I don't know. I don't do Twitter all that much. but he's, Oh,
3: he's on Twitter. Trust me. Oh, my God.
2: <laughs> he just says the random shit. You know, you got to call him out. Right. It'll make sense half the time. But anyway, Heatherly is an expert in lots of things to do with licensing and big media. And he's always interesting to talk to. I haven't listened to this podcast, but I will. Oh, oh, please.
4: Thank you. I would love to hear what you say, Chris, because we've kind of covered on the pod, but we go a little bit deeper. He worked at NBC Universal, so he led all of their game business. He's got a lot of different experience, and we talk about why I hate Barbie. We go into a really long story, but I appreciate the marketing. So there's just a lot of fun stuff in there.
2: Mishka, I did listen to the Rina Onur podcast yeah. that you did with the co-founder of Peaks. Did you like it? Honestly, I think you could have like peppered a little bit more about what the expectations are and how things have changed from when she was at peak and like the market conditions and all those other things. But she seems like a fucking badass, Mm -hmm. dude. (laughs) She just seems like someone that is not to be messed with. I'll tell you that much.
1: Yeah,
4: plus one.
2: (laughs) And again, in this environment, if anybody I would invest in, it would be them. But a $55 million round. Holy cannoli. Yeah. yeah. Let's hope that she can scale to justify that valuation.
4: I listened yesterday or the day before. So I started playing Tile Busters just to check it out. And they're doing a lot of what other people are doing is the hybridization of all of these genres and bringing them together. And by the way, she talked about this. She said straight up, like, this is our strategy. They took a kind of an underserved genre with tile matching, layered on a lot of the features of social casino that you get in, you know, the coin masters of the world. And yeah, the play has been very smooth. You know, doing what we talked about last podcast is if you're going to, fast follow another genre and category, like make it the most engaging, lovely experience. And so far, so good. I think I'm on level 50, finally hit the time when I started failing on the puzzles and I'm like, ooh, okay, all right, here we go. (laughs) I'm finally at the point.
2: (laughs) One of the honest moments, correct me if I'm wrong on this one, was that the, their first game was actually a social casino yes. game. Is that yeah. what their first one out was? Coin Master copy. And when she said, I was like, this is like music to my ears because I've been saying this for like decades, right? It's like, she's like, yeah, we tried a genre that we didn't know anything about. And she basically said, I still don't know anything about it. And I made a game in it, right? And then they went back to something that they're far more familiar with using the tech that they built on that. And so like, it was like a source of honesty. It's like, you know, people that have been doing puzzle games their entire career, can't go off and start doing a strategy game or anything else. Like, it's fucking hard, you know? But I thought she kind of underplayed the challenges around Turkey. Maybe I think that they're more of a challenge in terms of like the political upheavals on a regular basis. How hard would it be to keep a coherent business going in that environment? I mean, I guess Peak and Graham and others have done that, but
1: Dream as well, Rollick and so forth. So
2: it feels like they let the companies kind of do their thing despite the political turmoil yeah she's badass
1: she's definitely badass she was at the event as well looking forward if they raise another round of how big is the series a because that'll be interesting to see moritz is listening so moritz i think they're on your level of checks now (laughs) no i'm just kidding
2: (laughs) oh my god by the way just as an update i've been talking to a bunch of people about this vc like situation that we're in right now and I'm getting lots of ammunition and I'm hoping I could just do some kind of rant soon about why VC investing doesn't make any sense in AAA video gaming.
1: Oh, regarding that, the correction. I don't know if that was said last time where we talked about VCs. Moritz actually came through. He sent me some receipts because I was talking about, you know, it's very important that the funds show how much they return. So, those are eyes only, but I got to see the other receipts and Lightspeed is a great fund. That's all I can say.
2: <laughs> that is not what I'm saying. Lightspeed is amazing fund. They've been around forever, dude. They invest in all kinds of things that make sense from a venture capital perspective. Now it's Mortz's turn to blow up their returns, mm-hmm. right? With their his investments. <laughs> you know, like we won't see the results of his investments for a decade, you know? And so it's like historical returns have nothing to do with the current strategy. But anyway.
1: Right. <laughs> All right, let's get to shilling. So I got to shill a couple of things. So next week, Deconstructor Fun returning back to Istanbul. We have executive roundtables on September the 5th. So there's Moby Dictum event. During that event, we have a roundtables. Those are organized by MyGames, Deconstructor Fun, Amazon, and Data AIs. The topics on the roundtables are very interesting. The people, are gonna, the founders and the executives are going to talk about what genres will rule the charts in the upcoming years. They're talking about fundraising and recession, growth strategies, generative AI tools for gaming etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. If you want to attend this event, RSVP at gamedrive.com and choose the round tables at Moby Dictum. So if you're going to Moby Dictum event in Istanbul, you shouldn't be missing. And number 2, this is the most I mean, the, the Istanbul is important, but this one is precious. So we got the Helsinki VIP happy hour a.k.a. The Home Game, and that's on September 12th, a couple of weeks from now. With Pocket Gamer Connect rolling to Helsinki, we've teamed up with AppSlyer and Google to arrange this exclusive happy hour event. There's going to be great drinks, the setting, the space, I've chosen it. It's very bougie. The company is great because I can see the guest list. So I'm picking all the fun people to join. So to attend this, I'm going to put link into the description of this podcast to an application.
2: For the record, this link is broken. Somehow, Mishka has some issues with linking stuff, evidently. Like, you know, it's <sighs> HTML. It's really old yeah. shit, dude. You, you know? know, you can't be best Website at everything. Links.
1: Can't be best at everything. So. <laughs> so that's the end of my shills.
0: We got to get on this West Coast represent for the events. I have so much FOMO. Gamescom, Germany. We have the executive events, Istanbul, Helsinki, Berlin. And it is a long flight. All right. we gotta We got to do more West Coast.
1: London is going to happen. Stockholm is happening as well. But those are smaller ones on the list. We're working hard to make the Abu Dhabi happen. That's the one I'm most interested in. It's every week, the update. So I'm looking forward for that.
2: I think, honestly, it's Americans that work so hard that they don't have time for this <laughs> bullshit, right? The Europeans are always, like, frolicking in the sunshine, going to dinner, going to lunches, true, you True, know? true. It's just a schmooze fest out yes. there, right? We work for a living out here, mm-hmm. so yep. that's probably. Yep, yep. Yes. Four-day work weeks.
4: <laughs> we actually did, like, an unofficial meetup. There were about nine or ten of us in L.A. that met up last week and just had a nice chat, so that was really fun, showing that there is desire for something to happen in LA. Just the schedule of all of the events I think is a little bit difficult, you know, cuz we did it during Gamescom, so we didn't get a huge turnout because, you know, some of the people were out there. So, come on, bring it west coast. Yes. <laughs> all right. Quick hits, here we go. So, from a market standpoint, Sony Interactive has entered a deal to purchase Audio Technology Company Adoozy. Adoozy? Adiz? Adiz? <laughs>
0: Adiz. That's
3: a doozy.
4: It's a doozy. Oh, my. Game Devs of Color Expo unveils 2023 show schedule. The eighth annual conference for gaming creators will take place from September 27th to September 30th. Data AI and IDC have released their new 2023 Gaming Spotlight. It's a free report. So just one little nugget, and then we'll do more later. Overall, the worldwide mobile spending decline is leveling off to... 108 billion, with console rising 3% to 43 billion, PC Mac rising 4% to 40 billion, and then handheld dropping off 20% to 3 billion. So Mishka will talk more about that later. Layoffs and what's going on in the space. Eastside Games to lay off 20% of its workforce to transition to a leaner, stronger, and more focused company. Fresh off the press... French publisher Homa Games has announced that former Scopely SVP Henry Lowenfels has joined as CBO, chief business officer. Friend of the pod, probably has listened to every single episode of Deconstructor of Fun. <laughs> I work with him at Scopely. Congrats, Henry. Congrats.
3: You go make stuff happen and uh, polish your French a little bit, buddy.
2: <laughs> dude, poor Jeff Cohen, dude. Now he has to work for Henry, you know? <laughs> <laughs> Jeff, dude.
1: that's why he was so sour
2: (laughs) right he's gonna realize what a slacker jeff is you know so yeah good luck out there jeff you know now you have to work for a living oh my god (laughs) i'm just kidding oh my god Um, we love jeff he's been busting his ass over there but now henry's gonna help get the strategy going get some acquisitions going henry's a great guy and he knows almost everything there is to know about mobile
4: Yeah, huge plus one. Good
2: pickup for them.
1: I'm just happy that Henry is joining Homo Games. It's a European studio. So that means he'll be traveling more to Europe. That means he'll be coming to our events more. And I'll be seeing him probably during slush again. So I'm happy about that. Henry doesn't need any excuse to travel, dude. He's a total like, he's a circuit
2: whore, dude. He goes to
1: everything, man. What are you talking about?
3: Henry, I better see a picture with you in a beret and a baguette pretty no, soon. No. He, he, he lives in Nashville, right? Uh, he's not going to wear a beret. Yeah, he lives in the boondocks, man. <laughs> I don't even know how he
2: gets flights out of there.
4: <laughs> so just to finish some quick hits, UK-based developer Scriptic has raised $6.2 million in additional seed funding. Their interactive drama game Dead Man's Phone was nominated for BAFTA. Baldur's Gate 3 coming to Xbox this year. I'm super excited for that.
2: Okay. No, this is bullshit. Okay. First of all, I want to call this out for what it is, right? So Microsoft has been a total douches about making sure that the compatibility between every game that comes out, that it works on the S as well as the X, which is a terrible requirement that everyone has been bitching about for years since the thing started, right? It's like making a comparable game on one and the other is painful, right? For the developers. So they're making an exception here and now they're coming out like roses or something, right? It's like, it's the reason it's delayed in the beginning, the reason it's not on Xbox right now, is because of Microsoft's bullshit policies around the S. Right now, ironically, from their perspective, it actually made a lot of sense because the S provided them a lower entry point into the cycle, so it actually helped them early against Sony for that, and that was a really good decision on their part. But now requiring backwards compatibility or compatibility on both doesn't make any sense. So anyway, I'm calling bullshit on this because I, I don't like Microsoft getting credit for this when They're the ones that created the problem in the first place. You know what I'm saying? All right.
4: All right. Warframe is making the jump to mobile in 2024. NFL Rivals has officially launched. It's the first NFL licensed game to incorporate Web3. I have a note that FanDuel has also launched an NFT NFL fantasy sport product. It's not good. (laughs) (laughs) Probably the game piece is different here, but congrats to the NFL Rivals team. Dozens of Starfield copies were stolen from a warehouse in Memphis, Tennessee. The guy that was arrested after uploading the footage was charged with felony theft. Jesus. Obviously, they got him on theft and not leaking because that's a real crime. Sadly, leaking isn't a real crime. Wish it was. And then there's a ton more of mobile game announcements that we're going to cover coming out of Gamescom. A huge section on that a little bit later. So that's Quick Hits.
0: Okay, so now we're jumping into Gamescom. I can't wait to hear about all the updates. I feel like everyone was there. Nintendo was there. Y'all were there. And we were here. So tell us all the details, all the juicy news that came out of Gamescom.
3: Well, do you want to talk about our gains, Mishka, at the gym first?
0: (laughs) (laughs) No.
1: Pause. Uh, So Sunday before we travel, I I text Phil. I was like, Phil, I'm dead. You need to go on Monday because I was supposed to be on the Exola panel. I was sick as a dog probably a week before the event. So, last thing that I did was a COVID test, and I was like, you know what? I'm just going to gut through it. So, I was quite sick on Monday, but we got there. And, most memorable thing was probably how bad our hotel was. So, Sorry, Phil, about that.
3: Again, you chose that, and then you were about to back out and abandon me and put me on a panel, which yeah. was, wow, that's quite the shit sandwich you served me.
2: Oh, <laughs> correct. That is the Mishka special right not, there, dude. None of these. Bait and switch, not, right? None of these happened. He sent you to the shittiest hotel and then bails because he gets up like, <laughs> <laughs> no doubt, five star hotel he goes to while you're sitting in squatter. None of these happened, Dude, that's not, totally known. None of
1: these happened. These could have happened, but I got it through this. I was really sick. I even said, the doctor told me I shouldn't travel. I was like, you know what? I can't. I can't, I need to go. I promised to Phil that I need to be there. We need to be lifting. So so. anyways, when I didn't have COVID, I did the test. <laughs> People were a bit worried because I was so sick. Hotel, absolutely horrendous. I don't know what was I thinking because there was no AC. Oh,
3: You you were being a freaking European. That's what you were doing. You were, you were trying to make some sort yes. of point. Yes. And every time Europeans try to make this point, they fall on their face because <laughs> they love fucking AC and they wish they had it. <laughs>
1: I have AC at home. Eric has been in Cologne in summer. It is horrendous. You're melting against the concrete. It's really bad. So yes, we had an absolutely horrible hotel with no AC. It was like, ah, you know, whatever. <laughs> I was more shocked about it. But the event overall, I mean, it's gigantic. It's beautiful. There's all the cool games. The first couple of days are Devcom, So it's more about like industry People. And then towards the end of the week, it's turning into a consumer event. So, for the first day, so that was Monday during the industry event, we had a panel with Exola. It was hosted by Chris Hewish, who is the president of Exola. And by the way, Exola, for those who don't know, it's the best payment solution provider in the business. (laughs) So, that was the panel we talked about the other market. I think there's going to be a video that people can watch later. Then in the evening, we had the game night. That was with Xola, with Data AI, by the way, the best data platform in the business. No, well,
2: for Christ's sake, just stop! <laughs> and, Jesus
1: Christ. and Mastercard. So it was a pretty packed event. It was like 800 signups. Me and Phil were there. We we're playing Uno with people, and and
3: there was the logic game with the bracelets that we could never figure yeah,
1: out. I did, <laughs> definitely did not play that game. <laughs> I was too stupid for that. <laughs> and, and it was a, it was a fun event overall. It's really cool idea that we're making those, and I think we'll do next one. I'm not going to promise, but Singapore, if Phil goes there, and then definitely during GDC again. So um, those are really good, inclusive, fun events with no alcohol. So it's just fun to hang out and play games. And um, we didn't do much. Like we were supposed to go to all kinds of events, but because I'm not selling or buying, Phil is selling a little bit. (laughs) We didn't need to go to many of the events. We knew that Wednesday is going to be a big day. So uh, Phil took me to a candlelight dinner to eat Argentinian steak in Germany. That uh, was very nice.
3: Thank you, Phil, for that. All I wanted <laughs> there was that little German beer they have in Cologne. And you at least granted me yeah. that wish. And, and we also <laughs> bought things for, we bought, we bought something for my contractor wife.
1: <laughs> We're calling Phil's spouse contractor because he hasn't given a ring and there's no, no agreement. So I came up with the horrible term. But nevertheless, we found her a perfect gift. I'm very good at buying gifts for spouses. I've been doing this for a long time. So you're welcome, Phil. By the way, did you like it?
3: She loved it. She wore it the night I I I gave it to
1: her. Easy. Man, this sounds like quite a bromance, dude. Like, I mean, I think we need to move on. I'm just going to finish up on Wednesday. Whiskey tasting was a blast. Thanks for everyone for coming and making the trip from the other side of the city. Because the whiskey event started at 4 p.m. And we were getting new shots like every 10 minutes.
3: Those weren't shots, man. You're supposed to sip on those.
1: (laughs) And you had to basically travel from the other side of a town. But people still came in. Very happy about that. The space was really cool. And we agreed with a bartender that next year, we're doing a tequila event and we're adding more people. So we need to start planning that early so we can get Jen, Laura, and Kress for the tequila tasting event in Gamescom 2024. Yes.
0: Oh, I love tequila. Yeah.
4: Yeah. Yeah, I have lots of thoughts on tequila. Happy to share that. And please make it so that it's not just 50 people. Everyone was slacking me, Jen, can you get me in? Can you get me in? And yeah, let's not cap events at 50 people next time.
1: There was a miscommunication. But anyway, the travel back, I heard from a lot of people that was very problematic. I don't know if there's some issue with with Lufthansa and flying to US, but I didn't have any issues because I fly thin air. But apparently, those who fly Lufthansa had problems. So that's my dev gamescom update.
5: I wanted to talk to you about Heroic Labs building a successful game is hard enough without worrying about building your own game tech as well. Heroic Labs provides a comprehensive game stack to help you get your game into market faster and scale beyond the competition. With their Unity Game Framework Hero, you can cut development and prototyping time in half and quickly add social, economy, and reward systems to grow your game. Satori, the LiveOps platform built specifically for the games industry, lets you run live events, A-B tests, deliver dynamic content to players, and always keep your game growing. Nakama, The industry's leading open-source game server lets you develop locally, providing all social and competitive features for your game, and then seamlessly transition to their Heroic Cloud-hosted service and easily scale to meet the largest of audience demands. Find out how to get started at HeroicLabs.com. The games industry is experiencing unprecedented growth, with global revenues projected to reach a staggering $268 billion by 2025, but with more players than ever connecting across platforms and devices, how can your game stand out against the competition? AppsFlyer has created AppsFlyer for Games to help you unlock your players' true LTV by providing a wealth of game measurement solutions, unique industry insights, and proven best practices. Our dedicated hub is packed with innovative products, industry partnerships, and unrivaled expertise to ensure your game brand adapts and thrives. We understand that every game is unique and AppsFlyer's data-driven insights allow us to cater to your specific needs. We know that in today's evolving landscape, staying ahead of the curve is crucial. Trust in AppsFlyer for Games to guide you through this exciting journey. We have the tools, the knowledge, and the passion to help you succeed in this ever-expanding landscape. Together, we'll conquer new worlds, both real and fantasy, break records, and create gaming experiences that leave a lasting impact. Get in touch with AppsFlyer for Games today and unleash your game's true potential. AppsFlyer games supercharging the gaming landscape.
4: Laura, why don't you rattle off some of the stats from GameCon and then we'll go into some games. So, this year, oh
0: god, there was 320,000 people there from 100 different countries. Apparently, there were just under 1300 exhibitors from 63 countries, most of them abroad. Digital side they must have streamed it. So there were just under 200 million views, including 20 million for the opening night, hosted by Jeff Keeley. And NetEase was a first-time exhibitor. Since we didn't get the actual game updates, thankfully, Neil Long, also a friend of the podcast, wrote about it. So, Jen, why don't you give us a little update from Neil?
4: Yeah, he's a baller. Like, he must have just been working really hard on, like, the rest of the cast at Gamescom.
0: He just
3: followed us everywhere. He went to all the parties we went to. <laughs>
4: <laughs> but then he did real work and actually reported out. Okay, so here we go. So I'm going to focus a little bit on the mobile stuff, not so much on the AAA announcements. So he featured a bunch of different game announcements and trailers and links to the trailers. So a lot of these mobile games actually had trailers to support it. Mishka's going to hit some a little bit later, but I'm going to call out ones that I thought were a little bit interesting. So Level Infinite coming out of Tencent, they had three different games that they were announcing One is Assassin's Creed Jade, and just a reminder that they hate me because I still don't have a code to that game, which is fine. Delta Force Hawk Ops is an old tactical FPS that's being revived for mobile PC and console by Teamy. So Teamy is the developer of that inside of Level Infinite, inside of Tencent. Command and Conquer Legions. So apparently Level Infinite has a licensed CIP from EA, And I think, Phil, you got a chance to try that. I used to, (laughs) I think I was working on a a CNC game back when I was at EA. Like, they couldn't figure out how to do something with the IP all of these years. And so let's see if Level Infinite can do something. Project Mugen by Netties, Naked Rain, cross-platform action RPG coming. Outrage by UK Studio Hardball Games is a 32-player Battle Royale beat-em-up. So this sounds really interesting from these guys. Disney Speedstorm by Gameloft. So, so this is the Disney cart racing game. So it's going global on mobile in September. It's in soft launch in a number of countries now. And then Unpacking from Humble Bumble. So this is an indie game that was on PC, now going on to mobile. And guess what this one is about? It's, it's really fascinating. You unpack things. It's like my personal hell. I hate unpacking after moving, so apparently it's a cozy game. I know that you love when I say this, but it sounds perfect for mobile, actually, yeah. for people that love to do this.
1: Unbox therapy.
4: So I think
0: it's by Witchbeam, and it's actually a story-based game. So you're unpacking different things in the house. Definitely a cozy game. You're putting them places, and then you're doing it over the course of this person's life, seeing how their life changes based on what you're unpacking. It's won a ton of awards. It definitely was out for Switch. If you like those types of games, it is a very interesting storytelling experience.
4: Again, I always love these kinds of experiences. Kind of reminds me of like what Dave the Diver is doing on PC2, just really unique you would never think about this and now we're making a game i love it seriously i love it
3: sounds like hyper casual fodder I'm, I'm down for it
4: <laughs> it hyper casual is just different
2: what's crazy about this list is there's no western publishers making games evidently <laughs> right it's like all the chinese taking western licenses and making games for them. GameLoft,
1: GameLoft game loft is the uh
2: yeah but okay first of all game loft What the fuck are they thinking, right? Like, a Mario Kart game with realistic graphics? Like, what could go wrong? The problem with GameLoft is they focus so much on fidelity, they forget what makes money on mobile, you know? It's about transaction velocity. You know, you can't let the gameplay get in the way of making money, right? This is a recipe for disaster. And part of the reason, like, MOBAs will never do well in the West as well, right, is the gameplay is too much, right? i have my doubts about this game
3: i played it it's out here in sweden and it's as bad as you thought eric it is a product in search of a thesis they've got realistic graphics and jen when you look at one of the images they have one of the loading screen images all of the disney characters are very angry for some reason it's just a really just bizarre (laughs) mismatch it feels like i don't know if it was built on the Unreal engine but it's got some gritty style graphics mickey mouse is just like always angry at all the other characters it's bizarre like there is a model for this right there is a model in the east called cart Rider plus which has done a you know over a billion dollars in revenue it's a yeah. huge franchise but this doesn't work in the west i just what is the thesis here and why disney spend time on your product thesis people
1: yeah i think it's interesting with gameloft is like they're really good at making games in terms of quality and, and how many games they make and so forth and the platforms and everything but somehow they just can't crack like a really good Like, it's a well made game that is often not a very good game when you look at the data. And that is always like the confusing part about GameLoft. It seems they're shipping all kinds of games. They're not doing plus ones. They're doing games with IP. They're doing games with original IP. They're doing games that are very creative. Like, I even forgot some of the names. They're doing MOBAs. They're doing shooters. They're doing simulation games, everything. But somehow they can't
3: crack the code for some what reason because that's not a strategy that you described it's just like a random collection of like shots on goal
2: i think them along with companies like super evil megacorp and the like are so like rooted in triple a game development and that's what they're good at and they make actually good triple a games but these type of games that they're making are just not working on mobile and they just have not transitioned and it's been decades right i mean since like We know what works on mobile. It's not like rocket science right now, but they're trying to basically create AAA games that don't fit the market, right?
4: So they have a license with Disney, right? So they have Disney Magic Kingdoms. So that's on mobile. And that's like, I don't know, kind of Farmville theme park builder. My wife was playing that for like two years. Like it was crazy. Oh, really? Oh, she was like an elder player in that game. It was, I mean, it's not my jam, but you know, she was loving because she likes Animal Crossing types of games. And then they did Dreamlight Valley, which- was like much more Animal Crossing. And then she just couldn't take it because it was more like The Sims than it was Animal Crossing. And so she bailed out of that. So now they're doing like, why would you then go to kart racing, right? Like I understand, hey, I have a relationship with Disney. We can go multi-genre. We can hit different play patterns and audiences. It's just such a completely different audience and genre than the other games are hitting. And especially if you're going to execute it, realistic graphics... With you know the types of controls that they have is probably not the way you would attack the thesis of that subgenre. So I can't believe I'm saying it. I agree with Phil.
1: <laughs> but they do have asphalt, so they they have a lot of games and in a lot of different genres. So it's not the, even the first car racing game that they've done. So, anyways, just wanted to point out that it's an interesting company in the sense that they can execute, but they kind of can't win, if that makes sense.
2: Not to uh, beat up on the French, but something in the water in France just makes them make bad strategic decisions it's like they don't have people that understand c- consumers and product or something in france
3: they need henry Lowenfels,
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah exactly they need henry dude that's where henry should have gone
1: the biggest consumer brands company louis vuitton hennessy those people i mean that's that's french company they understand brands they understand consumers this is just me dropping names so we can get the t-shirts
4: like $600. I'm not sure that's going to help us. <laughs> yeah.
1: Anyway, well, I want to mention a couple of games. So one was Delta Force that, Jen, you mentioned. It looks absolutely sick. And then I started looking at some of the other games that came out from Tencent, other shooter games. So there was Undawn. That launched in February this year. It had 23 million installs and 33 million revenue till date, which is a solid start for a shooter game. But then when you start looking based on country, 10% of installs and 75% of all revenue is coming from China. And then I started looking at Arena Breakout. That was another 10 cent game that came out that was, if Undone is more like an RPG type of a shooter, then Arena Breakout is more of a extraction shooter. Those that Phil loves. So that game launched in July, 2022 in China and in, in APAC, but it actually really launched bigly globally last month so when we look at the past data 18 million downloads 45 44 million in revenue china accounts 60 percent of all installs till date and 95 percent of all revenue and it's very early to say if this game is going to pick traction in the west but if it goes like the previous one it seems like these games these shooter games are somehow resonating and performing well in china but not well outside of it so Interesting to see how this goes, but if Delta Force follows the other two really well-made shooter game, then it's going to tank in the West and succeed in China. And then I wanted to mention a couple other ones. So Zenless Zone Zero from Haya Wars. So likely, I think the same will happen as Cress made his thesis a couple episodes ago with what happened with Honkai Star. So it's going to be a successful game, but it's not going to be an incremental game. Because the unfortunate truth is that the combined revenue of both products, Genshin Impact and Honkai, in July is pretty much comparable to Genshin Impact's standalone. And what could happen, looking at this game, how it looks like, how it plays, it's very similar to the uh, the two before, that the uh, incremental effect of launching this game is not going to be as big as they might hope for okay final two egg party that was announced that it's coming to the west that's been a smash hit in china but it's interesting to see how well it performs outside china again because in china it had 200 million in revenue and 62 million in downloads but in the west we got stumble guys made in finland and every month they get about 7 million installs and 7 million in-app purchase revenue scopely is investing a lot of it to this game you guys covered how they integrated Barbie. They've integrated other IPs to it. What do you think, Jen? Is Egg Party going to challenge Stumble Guys?
4: For sure it will. For sure it's a challenger. It's a really adorable. Design. We talked about this a couple weeks ago, and, and Phil absolutely loves this game. I think the way that they execute the levels is really unique and different. So, yeah. I mean, they have a fight on their hands. Someone might get egg on their face.
3: Oh. Okay. <laughs> oh, my... <laughs> They have UGC. Like this is fucking huge. They have UGC in a mobile game, and it's an in-world editor, so you don't need any external tools. This is mm. going to be huge, and I think this is going to put real content pressure on Scopely when it comes to Sumble Guys. Of course, Fall Guys had launched a UGC mode, but it's still trapped on HD. They cannot get a fucking mobile skew out. Arrgh! And we knew that they were shopping Fall Guys in China a long time ago, but it just never got out the door. This is just like more money on the table. Super frustrating. Move faster. Don't let these teams get after you. But I'm super interested to see how the UGC piece will do.
4: All right. Are we ready to talk about Netflix and what they announced? Again. (laughs) (laughs) So they, they actually had quite a few announcements. One was Samurai Showdown, which is a cult arcade game. And then Rebel Moon. So this was a big unveil at Jeff Keighley's. So ONL is becoming like, first of all, let's just talk a little bit about ONL. So opening night live is becoming a really big event. E3 has died, in a sense, in L.A., and everything is now in Europe. So, like, trailers were shown. So Rebel Moon looks like a very cool IP. It's by Zack Snyder, I was going to say. His kind of stab at a new IP, so they showed a trailer for the IP. And Super Evil Megacorp is going to be doing a AAA four-player co-op action game. They haven't announced timing as far as I know yet, but that was one of the other really big things coming from Netflix,
2: So Super Evil Megacorp is making a AAA game that is supporting this Ravel Rune show. So this has nothing to do with Netflix gaming per se. It has to do with they're going to build a game on PC console for this show versus for Netflix service. This sounds like more like a transmedia play. Yeah, It doesn't make sense for them to deliver a four-person co-op game, which frankly is technically impossible, right? unless you have a console or a PC. I, I guess they could do it on PC. They're working
3: on a AAA first-person shooter at Netflix Games internally. So it wouldn't be weird to me if they were doing something like this.
2: It's a standalone game for other platforms, not for just Netflix platform. That's what I'm trying to get an understanding here. Because it doesn't make sense. Like, How in the hell are you going to serve this up on Netflix? Right? I mean... I- on the mobile device well,
3: that's been the big question for netflix is why the fuck are you building AAA games how yeah. are you going to do this right they announced the yeah. controller which we covered a couple weeks ago
2: i want to make the assumption and i could be wrong on this so please correct me the megacorp guys which are really good at making AAA games no doubt this is where they belong is likely making a standalone game to support this title release and it has nothing to do with the netflix subscription but the stories is more interesting to me anyway
0: It is a four player co-op action game. It will be exclusive to Netflix members. So it is. I don't know what that means.
2: Could mean that you have to log in with a Netflix account or something to play it on Xbox. I don't fucking know, dude. This doesn't make sense, but we'll, we'll get to the bottom of it.
5: Hey, game devs. Are you tired of dealing with complicated payment processes all over the world? Well, Exola's got your back with Exola PayStation. It has a simple, user friendly interface that makes it easy for players to pay for your games and in game content however they want. And because the Exola PayStation user interface is adaptive and accessible on smartphones, tablets, and PCs, your players will have a seamless experience no matter their preferred device. Players can save their favorite payment methods for future purchases, and on mobile, even charge purchases directly to their phone carrier bill. On the back end, you can customize your checkout with game specific integration options like sidebars and iPhones frames, as well as change colors, fonts, and images to make PayStation look and feel like a natural part of your game. Ready to see Exola's PayStation in action? Visit payments dof or visit the link in this podcast description. This episode is brought to you by Data AI. Yes, they were called App Annie back in the day, but let's not talk about that. Let's talk about how Data AI is the first company to combine consumer and market data with the power of artificial intelligence. And Data AI does this to unlock unique consumer and market insight to accelerate competitive advantages across all digital channels worldwide. What we here at Deconstructor Fun really like is Data AI's game IQ tool. It's this fantastic market and competitive intelligence tool for mobile gaming that allows publishers to really get to the feature level of a game without doing a full-on deconstructing first. Using this tool, your team can quickly tie features to performance KPIs, which will help you make difficult roadmap decisions. It's also a great tool to identify hidden growth opportunities as you can analyze games on a scale. As you well know, there are hundreds of thousands of gaming apps in the App Store and thousands of new mobile games released each month. And while we don't want you to stop reading and listening to Deconstructor Fun, the fact is we can't cover it all. With Data AI, and especially their Game IQ tool, you'll be able to efficiently determine what features provide a lift, make roadmap decisions based on accurately modeled expected outcomes, discover how competitors lifted performance through feature releases, benchmark performance against your competitors, Focus with confidence on the highest potential genre for a new game release. We here at Deconstructor Fun are huge fans of Data AI. So what are you waiting for? Go to Data AI and try the service for free.
4: All right, moving on. All right, so Netflix stories. So if you watch Netflix, there's lots of different kinds of shows, of reality-based shows. So Love is Blind or The Circle or Too Hot to Handle, right? So all these different reality shows. So, Netflix Stories, Love is Blind by Netflix studio Boss Fight is coming in mid-September. So, developed by Netflix's own Boss Fight Entertainment, this game will be a part of the Netflix Stories app. So, it sounds like a super app that is going to have a collection of interactive narrative games that will immerse players in an ever-growing catalog of stories made from fan-favorite Netflix series and films. You'll also be able to preview two chapters of Netflix Stories Money Heist ahead of the December release of the new Money Heist spinoff series, Berlin. And Netflix Stories Virgin River is also coming soon. All of these stories and much more will live in the Netflix Stories app, included with a Netflix membership without any ads or IAP purchase. So I want to stop here and say that I have some feedback about the branding of Netflix Stories. And I know that this goes into what we see in terms of the interactive story genre, right, where you've got episodes, you've got, you know, collections of different games inside of this. But from what I've seen, players really only care about the brand of the show. So actually, people don't even really know, just like you and me, like, what is on Netflix? You want to watch a show, you want to watch Money Heist or Love is Blind. And many times you don't even know what streaming service it's on. And so with the limitations of ASO, and then, you know, the number of characters you can put in the title of a game, I'm not sure that this is going to be successful for them because players are going to have trouble actually finding the show that they want. They're going to have to do a lot of marketing to help players really understand that all of these different brands and shows are going to be inside of this Netflix story app. So I'm sure there's a product benefit, right? You can build the engine. So Laura, what do you think about this from a product angle?
0: Okay, so I'm actually quite excited about this. In terms of interactive fiction as a subgenre, I really like it. And I'm thinking back, okay, so Episodes was one of the first and they launched with Mean Girls and that was kind of their in. And if I remember correctly, there was the biggest title, one of their only big IPs, and then the rest had a lot of UGC. And a lot of them weren't bad. There was a lot to do. Where I think these games tend to fall down is trying to monetize. So trying to put them on mobile is always tough. And I would argue that if you're going to have this engaging content. And I won't lie, I got hooked on a lot of these these stories and some of them were very silly. The hardest part was trying to find a way not to burn users in terms of engagement and retention by trying to monetize them in ways that just didn't work. So there was always from that, from putting them on mobile as standalone, I feel like that's where they tended to fall down. What Netflix is doing, originally I was going to say it was 80% really excited about this. I actually probably higher than that now. I think it's good that the stories are contained in one app. I wanna see my progress. I look at these like books. I'm gonna read them, I'm gonna play through them. I wanna know what I played. I wanna see, I wanna know what's gonna be updated. Maybe I have an avatar. If they have a lot of the same premium content choices it's either in story or it's in cosmetics so you choose an outfit and it generates a different sort of outcome for you i'm going to want to hold on to that and use those outfits and be able to use them in different stories i believe choices allows you to do that so i actually think this is a really great play for netflix i had a quick look at the demographics. So as you can imagine I think interactive fiction we all say it's, it's mostly female like it's actually quite female it's very female and it skews younger so again this plays back into why it's a harder sell for mobile because if you're going to be trying to monetize under 35s and under 25s it's going to be nearly impossible without leaning heavily into ads
4: don't forget they don't need to monetize right? exactly it, so that's yeah, why yes, I like this yes. for Netflix
0: <laughs> yes and then the other pitfall of Why mobile, but excited about Netflix is even if you have UGC, it's just like you need a massive content pipeline to feed how much players will consume in this category and i think netflix can handle this as long as they don't get too precious with their ip like replay scripts throw like a bridgerton story in there if you can make parallel sister paths to your current ips in terms of stories so kind of what star wars did with like rogue one parallel sister story if you're going to open that up now you have a ton of content. And then again, UGC and even AI would make this incredibly scalable. I mean, I feel like I'm dissing myself here, but again, some of those stories I played on episodes were not the best and AI is not going to have the best stories. So I don't even, maybe you don't even need to edit it that much. Yeah. So I'm very positive. I'm positive about the one app for this. I think this is a good play for Netflix. Eric, you also were thinking about this too. (laughs)
2: I've been talking about this since the very beginning when Netflix announced, like, this is where they can actually win in theory, right? If the customer wants it, right? And I I don't know the answer to that question because it's not something I've actually looked at. Like, is this something that can scale? Is the customer interested in these interactive stories? You know, the balder snatch evidently was not a successful uh, exercise from people I've talked to, but nonetheless... And this was a big project for Fox Next back in the day. These ex-Kabam guys were building this scene called Storyscapes. And they were building this for a long time and Scopely, I think, shut it down after the acquisition. But the game was very engaging. It kept players engaged the entire time. The problem is they churned through the content so fast that retention was shit, right? So does that make sense? So engagement, great, retention, bad, right? Because they couldn't build enough content fast enough because the audience just blew through it, right? And so this is the challenge, right? It's like Laura said the same thing is that they can't monetize it enough to justify the cost of the content, Correct. right? Yes. So this is where I think Netflix adds a lot of value because they don't give a fuck, right? They don't care about in-app purchases and stuff. They care about engagement. So they can just fucking throw tons of money at this and build as much content as possible. And it helps support their subscription as well as the IPs that they're trying to build. And that strategy makes sense for Netflix, but basically nobody else. And then regarding the UGC thing, And quote unquote AI to make more scalable content. This is actually where AI may make a difference in game development, in my opinion. Right? We were on a drive with a friend of the podcast, Mister. I don't know what the German, the stinky German. Anyway, I'm sorry, (laughs) blanking on his name. All of a sudden, anyway.
0: (laughs) So I'm not offering any names based on that.
2: (laughs) Yeah, yeah, sorry. I'll think of it in a second. So we were talking about generating muds, which is make multi-user dungeons, old expression for games, and. He was basically using ChatGPT to build interactive stories, text-based but with images coming from one of these services, using fictions like Dungeons and Dragons and Harry Potter and even Jane Austen, right? And he said that it wouldn't it didn't take like some a programmer. It's like if you were pretty smart and tried to figure out how to like cobble this thing together, you can create a new fiction, a brand new fiction based upon these worlds, based upon the lore of these worlds. And it was actually pretty fascinating to hear. And so, like, this is where I think things could get interesting from that perspective. And where AI kind of makes sense is to build these narrative experiences using fictional universes and be able to scale them. I wouldn't, maybe profitably, maybe not, but it doesn't matter for Netflix, right? So this is potentially interesting, new, like, interactive experience for different types of markets. And it would be interesting to see how they're executing on this. Like, sorry, this makes far more sense than a four-player co-op game
3: right but it cuts at the heart of what games are right because the problem you were just describing eric of them not being able to produce enough content and these type of games and they're not really games right it's it's a linear type of media it's just like watching a tv show it's the same problem with a tv show is that you're going to burn through game of thrones six seasons of game of thrones faster than they can produce it it's the core of all linear media that's the problem and the solution that games came yeah. up with is we figured out how to create systems I put a unit of labor into something and I can create thousands of hours of gameplay, right? Like this has been the innovation of online multiplayer games is that I can play Dota for 2000 hours and I can't watch Game of Thrones, or I guess I could watch it for 2000 hours, but it's a very fixed amount of time I can engage with these systems. AI seems like a great opportunity, but it's another huge bet. I- I'm not sure, like, <laughs> that I put all my chips on that for this. It-, it just seems like it's another shot in the dark from Netflix. But if this is a shot you're gonna take, I mean, why not?
0: I completely disagree with you. One, with that content, we do the same thing in match threes. You have content every two weeks on a schedule. This will be the same thing. They will have a Money High story every two weeks. They will have your updated Love is Blind story every two weeks, Bridgerton every two weeks. So that is how they're gonna partially, I imagine that's what I would do if I was managing this project. I would say every schedule is going to have it. And then in terms of demand, you're saying it's a linear watch experience. It is not. You look at Twilight, you look at these big franchises that target women that are good stories where you picture yourself as the character. Now this is one step further in terms of interaction. Now I get to play as it. I get to live out my fantasy even more. I think this is great. All right, now I've talked myself up from 80% excited, probably closer (laughs) to 95.
3: But there's another piece of this that I think, again, strikes at the heart of games, which is like when you look at casual, like when you get to the end of the amount of levels they've produced, you can stretch that content out by increasing difficulty in match three. So when those players get to the end of the levels that you've created, they're the ones that are most price inelastic. And so you can kind of mess with that a little bit and increase difficulty and stretch out those 50 levels. You can't do that in these interactive stories, or at least that would be the design challenges. Like how can I create systems around this? How can I create replayability? Are there different choices I could go? Is there a meta collection system? You've got to start with the game design.
2: I'm actually halfway between Laura and Phil on this because I'm skeptical as a motherfucker, generally speaking, But again, I just think this is where they can play in the interactive space and see success where others cannot, right? Like traditional publisher cannot make these type of games. Like that doesn't make any sense in any world, right? Because it's just a loss leader, right? So let's see if they can make it work, make it replayable in some way or make it more sticky, make it like build the content fast. But to your point, though, it's still linear regardless, right? You're going to get to the end. Eventually, right? And where you never get to the end of League of Legends or even Call of Duty or even FIFA or Madden or any of these other games, there's no end, right?
0: And now you have cross promo because they get to cross promo not just between their game experiences, but also their other content. Yeah,
4: for sure.
2: Oh, right. I want to be crystal clear on this. Their measure of success is retention, right? So you can get any super hardcore, like, you know, sequel guy and pull out data that proves that they had, an incremental 1.1% in retention and that'll keep them investing hundreds of millions of dollars in this nonsense. So like, does that make sense? Like their whole like rubric is completely different, right? Yeah. So you have to actually think from their perspective.
4: I 100% agree with the idea that AI can revolutionize this content furnace system that ultimately drives the benefit of retention for these players like that's the problem, right? If somebody can figure out how do you solve a content furnace with these types of experiences, because yes, they I don't know if you can layer any gamified systems on top of interactive story. Maybe you can and maybe that's the other innovation that they could go to look at. So if I'm gonna play like JR on TV right now, John Ricotello, you know how he likes his new thing is AI and giving guardrails to NPCs or to characters or to storylines If we can get to the point soon, and we're not there yet, like I totally understand we're not there yet, where you can plug in your stories, plug in your character arcs, and give it guardrails and say, hey, you can't go offline and you can't have rated R material or any of of this, and then have that AI build out these stories that you can interact with, like what a goldmine to be able to go off on side quests for all of these different adventures and so you can deepen the worlds and deepen the fantasy and keep players absolutely engaged in each of these IPs. My challenge is that in a bundled app, the marketing of that is going to be challenging to help players who love individual one of these shows know where to find that. And you, know, you mentioned cross-sell, and yes, maybe there are some cross-sell opportunities, but the challenge too is that one player doesn't watch all of those things. So they have to be trained To come back to the master app, be okay with the fact that they are being cross-selled to all these other. So, like I'm a soccer player, right? And I go and I use Apple TV Plus. I cannot get Messi off of my Apple TV Plus homepage because it all they want to do is get me to subscribe to MLS and they're using Messi to be able to do that. And I'm starting to get annoyed with the service that they are cross-selling me things that I'm not interested in purchasing. And so that's going to be the consumer and the marketing challenge with this is the high level product strategy, you know, backed by the AI systems. Okay, sorry. I'm done with my rant.
1: <laughs> it's not a rant. It's great inside.
4: All right. So we have a lot of
0: thoughts on Netflix AI, one story app. I think we'll cover one more topic today. Uh, Mishka, tell us about Data AI's Spotlight Report.
1: All right. Data AI Gaming Spotlight 2023 report. There was a link in the newsletter and as always the link was broken so go to data.ai main page and there's a banner and you can download the report there but here are some of my key takeaways from the report so mobile not unsurprisingly still stands as the largest opportunity in gaming and is set to reach 108 billion this year but ongoing updates to privacy regulation macroeconomics instability and rising competition has made acquisition and growth more challenging so In bullet points, I would say whale hunting is very difficult, and that can be seen in the stagnation of some of the uh, whale hunting genres like RPGs and strategy games and so forth. And then the second thing, because this is a global audience, that China's crackdown, especially on youth playing, is slowing down the growth in China, and, and that will naturally have an effect on overall market. And the second point there is there's new competition coming all the time, as we discussed with the new games being launched. And at the same time, the consumer spend set is set to remain about the same in 2023 as previous years. And this is consumer spend across mobile, PC mainly, as well as consoles. It's very stable. And so, what that means is that there's just more competition for. The same amount of spend aka a little bit of a bloodbath and third point handheld spending should drop about 20 percent this year to less than three billion due to waning interest in nintendo switch which we're going to talk about probably next episode and this is partly offset by rising interest in the steam deck and other gaming handhelds my personal take there is these are portable devices that's a great thing and increase accessibility but at the same time you have your phone So, what kind of games are you playing on those devices that you can't play with your phone? I know there's a lot. You can see people playing them on the planes and so forth. But is that market big enough? At the moment, three billion is not very big when you consider gaming market as a whole, which is like almost two hundred billion overall. And then sentiment towards in-game mobile ads, though they had a study done on mobile games as well, is deteriorating in the late 22 compared to 2021. And in my opinion, this could be because of oversaturation, because there's increasing CPIs, there's decreasing eCPMs. That means that the games need to show more ads, and that may create more resentment towards the ads. So I don't know, but this is just my hypothesis. And final one, just to trigger Cress. Gaming in the cloud makes inroads on mobile as a share of global hours cloud streamed gaming on smartphones and tablets should represent 26% this year, up from 16 in 2019. Game streaming is on the rise like a hockey stick. I don't know what this is about because, you know, I don't know if people really use Microsoft Game Pass, Ultimate, or NVIDIA GeForce now on mobile. But, Chris, what's going on with the booming cloud gaming?
2: They got to stop. They should just pull this slide completely because it's it's from IDC from last year. And those guys don't know what the fuck they're talking about. And it's a question of definitions, right? I think they're just adding in, again, I've said this a million times, Microsoft's and Sony's services, which is nothing to do with cloud streaming at all, right? And certainly has nothing to do with mobile cloud streaming because it's not even available, right? The only valid service on this whole thing is, is NVIDIA GeForce Now, which is a supplement to the existing platforms for super core PC guys. And even that is not profitable as far as I understand it. And the other thing they didn't mention at all is that mobile's down again this year, according to their estimates for the year. So they talked around it the whole time, but yeah, they're basically forecasting a down two or 3%, I think, overall for mobile. But yeah, just stop the streaming stuff. It's not a market. It's a technology without a consumer interest at this point. Maybe 10, 15 years from now.
3: I think there's actually some like, pretty big trends going on underneath here. And I think this is closely connected to the time use survey, the American time use survey that's published by the Bureau of Labor Statistics. And what's great about this data set is that it goes back quite a number of years. And this is something that's been spreading recently, that the share of young men playing video games is way, way up. If you look at 2003 to 2023, men aged 10 to 24 go from playing games about 30 minutes a day to about two hours. But I would say there was another piece of information that I think was more important buried into the time you survey, which is that TV is still dominating us. We're still getting dominated even among 15 to 24-year-olds. The amount of TV that they're watching is 2x to 1x. And again, like there's a lot that goes into definitions and methodology here, what counts as a game. Under the BLS definition, it can be things like a tabletop game. It could be, you know, going outside and, you know, playing padonk with your friends. It can be a lot of different things, but I would say, you know, it still looks like TV is dominating us. And I I think the question for us as an industry, particularly when you combine it with this stagnating growth in mobile, which is scary. You look at this time series in the data AI report, you know, we've had 10 years of incredible growth year over year and we're starting to slow down we're starting to slow down mobile and we're starting to slow down on hd it doesn't look like it's growing at an incredible pace either and i start to look at these time use trends and i I wonder if that singularity moment is ever going to happen and to me that's a really important moment is when we finally overtake time use among any demo when it comes to linear tv when people are spending more time playing games than playing tv that is a huge moment for us and I, I always thought we would win because we can adapt ourselves to any sort of medium. Like when you go to even social media networks, what do they always try to do? They try to shove in games to it. And it's because we're so adaptable. We can adapt to mobile. We can adapt to consoles. We can adapt to literally anything. But I'm starting to have some doubts. You know, if we start to compare these time series, if we start to look into next year. If we're not growing in terms of this time use, I wonder if we're ever going to reach that singularity point.
2: I mean, wouldn't this particular survey show mobile usage just going from zero to thousand, right? Like you got to imagine using mobile phones is far more than the amount of TV people watch, right? The, the daily average use of a phone.
0: I, my first question is, how are they classifying this? Where does YouTube TV come in? Is, where is TikTok classified? I don't know. I'm, I opened the website for the time use and I've got questions on how they calculated their data.
4: Yeah, this is a different report. So it's New zoo. They put out a Gen Z, Gen Alpha. So Gen Alpha is the, I think they're like kind of 12 year olds, right? Eight to 12 year olds. So they are the first generation Gen Alpha that gaming is the number one leisure time spent. And so they have a slide that I'm looking at right now that says they have become the first generation where gaming is now the most dominant. So the singularity is here, according to Nuzu, according to their report that they have. Of course,
2: we're very biased, right? Towards of gaming, course.
4: Right? But I do think, just anecdotally, I mean, I, I think, you know, Chris, you've got Gen Alphas at home, as do I. And gaming is part of the lexicon because it has become their social media. You know, they do Snap and they do TikTok, but a lot of their social time is spent inside of the Robloxes, the Minecrafts, and the Fortnites, where they like have hangout time. And that's what they're reporting. And by the way, it went from Gen Z at 17% to gen alpha is now 21%. So it's a pretty big jump with this next generation because of the services provided.
3: I think this demands a little bit more research, but I think this is a really important question. Are we growing or are we shrinking? And on crosswalk metrics, because when you look at revenue, it it ain't looking pretty. So I hope it's at least amongst timeshare.
2: Well, again, I just want to be clear. is like I did some analysis for one of the clients and it does look like we as mobile gaming are losing share to TikTok, Right fundamentally i mean that's what the data suggests from data ai so those big macro things like that obviously these new younger people are using those type of social services far more than gaming on a relative basis but yeah something to track and and look at something that google made a point of in turkey last year all right have a few more stories we are have to get to next week including something about nintendo switch as well as about the flood rush cancellation
1: is that a moba no i mean can we go can we, it's
3: it's a moba no. it's a no MOBA. it's not it's a no MOBA. it is it not. is a moba it's a that's ridiculous that's a ridiculous assertion right, well, we'll debate this next week
2: MOBA. look at it it looks like a moba and i'm like well another moba no bites the it's dust. a roguelike yeah, it's surprised. got roguelike
3: features listen to javi javi's got good analysis on this but anyway they're canceling that
2: but we'll get to that stuff next week everyone have a good time stay out of trouble talk soon
3: bye-bye
5: you did it you made it to the end of the episode As a fan of the show, it would help us out if you subscribe and leave us a review on the podcast service of your choice. More importantly, are you a member of the Deconstructor of Fun Slack group? If you have five years or more of games industry experience, go to deconstructoroffun.com slash slack and apply to join. Join the games industry's best professional community filled with peers always willing to lend a hand. Or subscribe to our newsletter to get all the latest insights from the Deconstructor of Fun content creators. Thanks for listening.